Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for all things human factors, psychology, and design. Hey everybody, welcome back to a special kind of offshoot of Human Factors Cast. My name is Nick Rome. I'm joined today by Mr. Blake Arnsdorf across the internet from me. We're also joined by Nick Lum, who's the founder and CEO of Beeline Reader. Now, uh, some of you who may be listening to this episode uh, may have also heard in back in episode 160, uh, we talked about a Blackboard integration with the Beeline Reader. Uh, and Nick actually reached out to us after the show and connected with us. And uh, we thought this the, the applications to human factors were, were so uh, kind of integral to this tool that we, we really wanted to pick his brain and talk to him for a little bit. Uh, now, keep in mind that as we go through this, uh, Beeline Reader is a very visual it's a very visual tool, so if you can go and pull up an example as uh, as we're talking about this, and uh, you know, if anyone has any ideas on this tool, Nick, I know folks can reach out to you on the website. There's a contact form there, so you know, re- we our listeners can go and reach out to you if they have any ideas. Okay, so uh, we got a couple questions lined up. I want to make sure that we hit them all. Um, so first off, Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you. Can you just kind of tell us what Beeline Reader is and uh, what how it came to be? So Beeline Reader is a new idea for how text can be displayed on screen. And the key to the idea is that instead of using just plain black text, which is what we've done for centuries um, on paper and now on screen, instead of using plain black text, we use a color gradient that wraps from the end of one line to the beginning of the next line and establishes a continuity of color that helps pull your eye from uh, the end of a line to the beginning of the line and helps guide you through a dense paragraph. Now, this idea uh, came up when I was in college and was reading about um, innovation and uh, reading a book that was actually about ebooks and the ebook industry. And it was frowning upon this industry and saying that ebooks are actually not better than regular books. They're just this new, newfangled idea. And uh, this was a while ago. It was before Kindle and iPad um, existed. And so it was railing on the low selection of ebooks and the cost and the fragility of devices, the battery life. And it said, look, hey, regular books, you know, don't have any of these downsides. Uh, the only upside of ebooks is that you can, you know, take a bunch of them with you. But um, regular books are still actually really good in comparison. And I read that and I thought, well, okay, true, that's where we are now, but this is obviously just the nascent stage of eBooks, and there must be something we can do with screens that we couldn't really do with paper that could make the reading process more enjoyable, more efficient, more engaging, better in some way. And we just haven't figured it out yet. And uh, at the same time as I was reading this book uh, that railed on eBooks, I was learning about uh, some psychology research uh, called the Stroop Effect that I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with. Um, For those who aren't, it's basically an experiment where um, subjects are shown the name of a color written in either black, which is the standard condition, or a different color. So you might have purple written in green, and then uh, the researcher asks the subject to either say the name of the color that the ink was, um, that the, the text was written in, or just read the word. And it turns out that, you know, not surprisingly, when you have purple written in green and someone asks you a question about colors, your brain uh, futzes a little bit and you're less likely to get the right answer and it takes you more time to um, make a response. 
And so my takeaway from this research, which is actually not the, the main takeaway, my takeaway was um, there is a channel that goes from something you're reading into your brain that uh, contains the color of the text. And that channel is typically not used when we're reading because we read in black and white. We're not usually reading the color uh, purple in the word green. It's usually just monochrome. And we do use color in reading sometimes. For example, when we highlight things or underline in different colors, um, we're making use of color to draw your eye to a particular place. But when we're doing what you know, researchers or educators call close reading, we don't really do that at all. It's all just black and white. And so I had this idea of, well, you know, we haven't used color much in printing previously because in paper, it's not economically efficient to print in color. Um, everyone would have to have the same color schemes um, if we used color and not everybody likes the same colors. But now we have screens and so you can change the colors on a per user basis. Uh, based on the environment, you can change the colors. So maybe we can use this color channel in a way that makes reading more efficient. And so I had this idea of using color and specifically color gradients to help the reader to focus on the right words and to move from the end of a line to the beginning of the next line, um, which allows them to read more quickly and more efficiently. Yeah, so I got to say, sometimes Blake and I will um, read a story and we will save kind of the demo uh, for live on the show. So that way you're kind of getting our... um, our raw sort of reactions. And so we actually pulled up Beeline Reader while we were on that episode. Uh, you could hear our reactions as we were doing it live. Um, and it's a really, really neat tool. I, I really think that this does add value uh, in a lot of ways to um, just simple reading. Like I, I use it for my RSS feed reader now. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's just something that's, you don't know you need it until it's, it's there. It's it's so uh, it's it's such a neat tool, Blake. Do you have anything else to add about like using the tool? Because you've had a chance to use it for a while now. Too, yeah, right? and so like uh, people that listen to the show know that I often and Nick makes fun of me relentlessly about like I'll mess up the show notes when I'm like going through one of the lines or whatever, or we'll like stick a really big word in there and he knows I'm gonna mess it up. But I swear, <laughs> using the Beeline Reader for the past I don't know how long it's been now, I feel like there's less and less of that. So there was a noticeable difference from like you know point one of using it very little training time to the next time we did the podcast which i thought was kind of nuts because it because literally i mean the concept is very cool but at the end of the day it's using a gradient to drive your eyes across lines and it's it seems pretty simple but just that little bit has you know improved my ability to read what i put together for notes right so the thing that interests me the most is that beeline reader uh it 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 inherently has a lot of human factors principles kind of embedded into it Um, And you yourself, Nick, are not necessarily human factors by trade, but I think, you know, there's a lot of research that goes into your product. And I kind of want to pick your brain on some of the kind of avenues of research that you've explored. Like, have you done anything with, uh, like, let's say the research of color on, uh, on Beeline Reader? Have you looked at what colors are optimal and that type of thing? Yeah, we've done um, various types of testing on our own and in conjunction with educators and folks who work in literacy and accessibility in particular. Um, as you mentioned, I am not trained in human factors, um, quite the opposite. I have a law degree, uh, which is, um, is not very useful when it comes to asking the right questions and figuring things out quickly. Um, but at any rate, um, in terms of colors, we've done testing, uh, through our website to see what drives people to do, uh, you know, to install the, um, browser plugin, for example, when we have the default color scheme be either bright colors or darker colors and, and you know, really A-B testing that. 
um, for quite a while before settling on the current color scheme, which is bright red and bright blue as the default. That was the original default. That was the sort of first idea that I come up with for the colors. Um, and it's what we use mostly for demonstrations because with the vibrant colors, it becomes more obvious what it is that's happening because you can see black is black, you can see red is red, uh, and blue is blue, where some of the more subtle color schemes that some people actually prefer, it's less easy for a first-time user to see what exactly is going on here because the colors aren't quite as separated um, from black and from each other. Um, but uh, we've seen that the bright color scheme is the most popular, although I'll note this is actually changing, at least for me personally. I've noticed that as the devices that I read on get brighter and brighter screens, I find myself moving more toward our less bright color schemes. Um, for example, I had a, I think it was a 2011 MacBook Air, and then I moved to like a 2018 MacBook Air, and the screen is so much brighter on my new computer that um, I will actually use a different color scheme because um, it looks different to me. It's just, it's brighter. Um, and I don't necessarily want the full brightness of my you know new computer in the way that I did on my almost now 10 year old computer, which just wasn't as bright. Um, and, you know, we've learned a number of things about, um, about color in general, um, not just from our own research, but from reading existing research. Uh, for example, as people age, uh, there's a yellowing in the eye. Um, people get cataracts removed. And when they do that, uh, they'll say, oh, wow, I didn't realize, you know, my blue shirt was that color blue uh, because there's been a yellowing and it makes blues um, appear uh, less bright. So um, it's, it's interesting that people who are older uh, seem to prefer slightly brighter colors. Um, people who are younger would have less of that preference because they have a little bit more color acuity. Um, and uh, so that's one of the ways in which we've learned about color. That's that's really cool. I, I like that you tie it to that kind of aging population, too, because that's kind of a, I, I would almost say, underrepresented uh, section of human factors. I think, you know, when, when people think human factors, they think of human performance modeling and, and um, you know, sort of ergonomics is tied in pretty strongly with that. But the aging population, uh, that's that's an interesting point, too. Um, have you... Uh, have you looked at anything with Beeline Reader for like speed and efficiency, uh, getting at that human performance side of things? Yeah, there have been a couple of different um, studies that have been done, mostly in education, um, looking at reading fluency and reading comprehension. Uh, interestingly, going as young as first grade students and then with older students as well. Um, and we've seen consistent uh, gains in reading fluency in reading comprehension um, with the younger kids who are still learning how to read, uh, gains in the amount of time it takes a child to achieve reading fluency. So it would take fewer weeks for them to get to a certain milestone, um, which was not our original intention. The product was originally designed as a way to help people speed read. Um, and for a lot of people, that's the primary usage. But it's interesting that over time we have discovered or we have been told by others, this is effective for teaching children who are learning how to read for the first time, or this is effective as an assistive technology for certain populations. So uh, again, my having gone to law school makes me useless in a number of regards, but fortunately there are good people out there on the internet who will tell us uh, things that should have been obvious to us from the get-go. That's pretty awesome. And so you mentioned that this is useful in the like assistive technology realm. I mean, have you guys seen any kind of major impact from an accessibility standpoint with this product? 
Yeah, I would say there are maybe three main populations, uh, sort of size-wise, that are impacted by this. One is dyslexia, um, which is defined in various different ways by different um, different folks. Um, and then another is ADHD. And then the last is visual impairments. Um, and in each of those groups, we serve a, a pretty decent chunk of the population um, that have difficulty with reading in general or in ADHD. And there's a lot of talk of walls of text um, that people will just see a large paragraph and they'll get um, intimidated and, you know, they'll just give up. And so to be able to make text more readable for people who have issues like that uh, is really cool. And we've actually been adopted by a number of different accessibility platforms, um, including Bookshare, which is the largest accessible ebook library, um, Blackboard Ally, which you mentioned earlier, Blackboard had picked us up for their accessibility suite, um, and, and various other education platforms as well. Um, and we've won awards from everything from the United Nations to Stanford University for social impact and specifically accessibility and disability inclusion. So it's super cool to work on a product that helps people who have um, issues with reading because it's so key, especially in education. Um, a student can't really perform to their potential if they're struggling with reading um, and it, it holds them back in you know a wide range of subjects, not just in reading, it's in science and really everything else too. You mentioned that you had a partnership with Blackboard. Uh, I, I want to kind of get into what types of applications um, are using Beeline Reader and, and kind of where you see the future of Beeline Reader going. Like, where can you see this really having uh, a large impact, right? Yeah, so we have been adopted by Blackboard in their accessibility suite, which um, means that when students are downloading documents from a learning management system, they can download it in a Beeline enhanced format. And uh, they ran a pilot before adopting the technology and found that this was super popular among a lot of different universities that they worked with. And so they built it in. Um, we can see uh, you know, a couple of other different areas in addition to education, also uh, news media and textbooks and, and books. We've been approached by one of the e-textbook platforms and hope to be working with them soon to make this available in their products, really anywhere that people are reading a lot of text. And uh, the benefits, you know, in, in news media um, have been demonstrated by some of our testing with uh, folks like CNET. They put this on some of their content and tracked people to see how far down the page they would read. And they found that people who were reading with Beeline turned on uh, ended up reading almost 50% more than people who were reading traditional black text. And uh, we've seen similar data from one of our um, partners as a social impact organization that put Beeline on their blog, and they found that the um, pages per session went up by uh, about 50%. And so people are sticking around longer, they're engaging more. It's, it makes the content easier to read, and so people read more. It's, you know, a little bit uh, obvious, but it, it bears out in the data. Yeah, I remember uh, first time we connected, you were talking about, like, potentially incorporating this into, like, scientific journals and... Uh, other applications like military and it just, I just I thought there's a lot of potential for something like this to provide a a, a really great um, th these accessibility options in places where you might not typically expect so that's that's awesome um, one thing with the uh, blackboard did you want to talk about what's going on right now um, with uh, beeline reader and 
having it available? Oh, yeah. So right now, because of COVID, um, we are running a program that makes Beeline free for students and teachers, um, regardless of grade or age. Um, so anyone can just go on our website and request a free student pass. Um, and we'll give them a free pass to our browser plugin um, for college students um, you know, they can get it for themselves or for younger students, the teachers can get it. And that, that'll run through, um, September. Um, and, uh, so far we've given out, I don't know, tens of thousands of licenses to people from everywhere from, uh, Berkeley to Burkina Faso, just everywhere is shut down right now. And there's a lot of distance learning happening and this happens to help with that. That's great. Uh, Blake, did you have any other questions before we wrap up? Honestly, it was just really cool to hear you talk about the impact that it's had and kind of those three main populations from the accessibility standpoint. Because I, I know early on, especially like in grade school, I had a lot of problems with dyslexia. And that's still something that like tackles my like reading today even. Um, often that's why I'm messing up some of the notes because I'm making up things to cover for what I'm reading. But from when you when we were talking about the like adding this to scientific journals, I remember being in grad school and it took me probably twice as long as most people to get through papers. But with something like this, I can imagine for people that either have dyslexia or especially ADHD, they could speed through this kind of really it's not intensive, but it's a lot to read, a lot to absorb, and then be able to talk about or apply to your own research. So I just think it's an awesome opportunity, both from like a very young reading age but also to like a master's level or like every every day reading so it's just a really cool thing you've done here so nick i i do want to wrap up here and uh kind of thank you for being on the show and and uh making sure that our listeners know kind of what the deal is with beeline because uh it really meant a lot to us that you you reached out to us after the show uh where can our listeners go and find more information about beeline if they if they want to give it a shot or um you know, if they want to reach out to you directly. Yeah, our website is beelinereader.com. Beeline as in make a beeline for something and uh, reader like reader. And uh, we have a partner page there where you can see how it can be applied to, um, you know, content that's on websites or in apps. And then on our consumer facing pages, you can try out the free trial of our Chrome extension or get information about our free products for students. Great. Well, Nick, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, at the end of all of our kind of interviews and shows, we like to end it with uh, this phrase, it depends, because in human factors, it really does depend on a lot of different things. And, um, you know, I think it, you can see this in Beeline Reader. It kind of depends on what content you're reading and and uh, what colors you're using and all that stuff. So uh, I'll kind of count us down from three and we'll say it depends and, and uh, then we'll wrap it up. So three, two, one. It, it, it depends. depends. Spacecraft, railway locomotives, nuclear submarines, healthcare, jet aircraft, these are all examples of highly technical systems and organisations, and all have one particular thing in common. They all involve humans. Humans who want to do amazing things and are using technology to achieve them. They all have something else in common. They have amazing people ensuring that the users who are involved can do what they need to do, are safe when they do so, and have the optimum user experience. These people are Human Factors practitioners, and on 1202, the Human Factors podcast, they talk to me, Barry Kirby, about what they do, sharing their career paths, highlighting their ideas and best practices, and fundamentally raising awareness of our discipline. Find us on 1202podcast.com, 
on social media and on your favourite podcast directory because it's more than just common sense.